everybody. Welcome back to Alcoholisms, the podcast about sobriety recovery and all things related to. I am Tara, one of your co-hosts, and as always, I am joined by my lovely dad, Dan. Hi, dad. Hello, Tara. Hi, dad. So today we have decided to talk about something I feel like is pretty major in any journey with sobriety. And that is, you know, how to get sober in the first place. Yeah. Well, that would be a big one. Because it's really confusing and scary and seems like it's impossible, but you got it. Yeah. You know? That is the truth. You're capable. I mean, obviously, the first the first thing you got to do is you got to get to that point where you've, you've, you've admitted to yourself that you got a problem and you got to do something about it, right? So. Yeah. And we've done an episode about that in and of itself. But once you've reached that point, there's more to do, obviously. And again, these are things that don't come with guidebooks, right? No. There are things you have to do in order to get sober and then to stay sober. Yeah. I think maybe just to throw this out there, I think there's a little bit of confusion about what sobriety is. And a lot of people think sobriety is just the act of not drinking anymore. Mm -hmm. They think sobriety is like, Oh, I quit alcohol. Now I'm sober. But yeah. for me, the meat and potatoes of sobriety came after I quit alcohol. It had nothing to do with alcohol, actually. Yeah, that's true. And we've, we've done episodes on that, too, and referred to it. You know, it's not, I mean, alcoholism is the symptom. It's the outward thing that people see, right? But yeah, disease to me is all about my screwed up brain, right? And the way I view the world, the way I view myself in it, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you need to learn some skills that you obviously don't have. Yeah. But the first thing though, I mean, you're at that moment where you've made this decision and like, as we've discussed about your life in particular, let's say, I mean, that was a very dangerous, a very dark, despair laden place, right? And that's where you are. And it's and it's kind of hard to see good options from where you are in that moment. So anyway, what did you do at that yeah. point? Yeah, well, I just want to say like that dark place is the worst place I've ever been. And it's not even a place that I can describe, even thinking back to it. All I, yeah. all I can really remember is it just, I, it's just like when I think back of it, like I literally envision like a black hole just like sucking every part of me out mm -hmm. and I just didn't feel like I knew I, I knew I couldn't I knew I couldn't drink anymore I knew I couldn't do it anymore so and I didn't have the courage to go through with you know a suicide attempt so mm -hmm. once I decided that I was done like I'm that I had done all the research I could I <laughs> tried drinking in a million different ways I knew that alcohol wasn't for me I could never do it um, I called like literally the first thing I did was I called everyone that I could in my phone book who I felt comfortable enough or even some people I didn't really feel comfortable with. Um, I called a ton of people and mm -hmm. told them the truth about what was going on. So I reached out to a lot of people because mm -hmm. I had reached out to like one person here or there in the past. And you, re you reached out and what did you do? Um, I reached out and told them that 
I have a very severe drinking problem. I can't stop drinking alcohol no matter how much I try. I don't want to drink even at that moment I was drinking. I didn't want to drink, but like I was drinking and that I needed help because I didn't know if I was going to make it another 48 hours. Yeah, that was huge, right? I mean, yeah. I know it took a lot of courage to do that. It's born out of desperation, but that was huge. And if you had any hope at all, that had to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That had to happen. Yeah. So like, yeah, it was admitting it to myself, but I think the thing that saved me was admitting it to other people around mm. me Yeah. because I used a lot of, I used everyone else's like an insurance policy, right? Because mm. I had told people here or there that like, oh, I have a drinking thing maybe. And then I'd always be able to convince them the next day, like, oh no, I was just having a bad night and like, I'm totally fine. Um <laughs> bad night <laughs> I had a lot of bad nights every night yeah. um but yeah that's the first thing I did the first thing I did was reach out and let everyone know the truth about what was going on whether they understood it completely or not yeah. was a little well, ir- irrelevant at the time but I just needed everyone to know that I could not drink alcohol I could not stop drinking alcohol and I, and I needed help yeah, that's a that's your, your basic cry for help, right? Yeah. Which was an absolute necessity because here's the thing. And even though, you know, we, we do speak in absolutes and say this is the way it is for all of us, obviously there can be exceptions. Getting sober is one of the hardest things you'll probably ever do. And you cannot do it alone or you shouldn't try to do it alone. You need help. And like what you did, even though there might have been some people more on the periphery for you, you called the people who were closest to you. You called the people who you should be able to count on, which is what we always do in a crisis, right? You call your family. You call your closest friends. And that's what you did because that's what they're supposed to do. We're here for each other. That's that's what makes us family, right? Yeah. So those are the people you called. Yeah, I had family come over the very next day. I had several family members come over, kind of assess the situation. And then I was taken out of that place that I was living because I basically just like gave control of my life to other people. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I I can't help myself. Like, I don't know what's going on. So I kind of let other people make decisions for me because, you know, my alcohol abuse and alcoholism and drinking was so severe like and not everyone gets to this point but Mm -hmm. mine was so so severe that I I could not make decisions for myself anymore like Mm -hmm. alcohol had fully possessed every thought every action everything that I did So I was at the point where I couldn't even trust myself to make decisions anymore because I knew left to my own devices, I would make some kind of excuse and weasel my way back into drinking again. I have no doubt that that's where you would have gone. Yeah. But you didn't. You called people and people came. Yeah. And from there, what happened next? What's the next step for you? The next step for me after I reached out to people was... You know, people came, people took me out of the situation that I was in, and then um, my family was immediately involved in trying to find me some kind of treatment option. I started going to AA because that was just like the the very first thing that I could get myself into, and it's completely free and very useful. Did you go on your own? 
Um, no, I had people come with me. I, I actually physically had people go to meetings with me. Like yeah, before you keep going, that's one of the things I wanted to say is that, and, and you and I have talked about this, so I know kind of what your answer is, but if someone comes to me in that circumstance now, I mean, that's one of the first things I'm going to try to do for that person is say, look, you need to go to AA with me. Come on, I'll take you. Let's go. Yeah. You know, and I assume you would probably do the same thing. Oh, for sure. And I had the same thing happen to me. Like mm -hmm. I had every day I had a different, and it was great. Like we have an amazing family, obviously, but um, I had a different person volunteer every day. Like they literally people made a schedule <laughs> of who was going to take me to AA meetings because, you know, it was that crucial and everyone in my family recognized and realized that it was that crucial that I essentially be babysat <laughs> for the first while of my sobriety because I couldn't be trusted alone. That's what it is because those, especially those first days and weeks even, I mean, your brain is wired to do this thing. And, you know, I even talk about it metaphorically as this demon that's living in you, right? I mean, it's yeah. wanting to take control. And it's yeah. wanting to send you back down that path and you have to fight it. And the best way, especially in the early days that you can fight that demon is to, well, you said, give somebody else control. But the point is you need to be with these other people. You need to get help. You need to be yeah. with people that can support you. And that's what you did. Fortunately. Yeah. Well, from there. So I was immediately surrounded by, you know, safe, non-toxic, non-triggering people. And, um, from there, we went over my options and um, it was, and I decided, it was decided that um, my best option would be to go to an inpatient, like a treatment facility. Because again, like it just, it wasn't, you know, and I guess maybe it all depends on severity. Like if you're not an alcoholic and you just have an issue with alcohol and you're able to just like remove it from your life and maybe you struggle a little and you have a support community that helps you and makes and like and is able to take care of all these needs for you then that's great and amazing and well, it's very lucky but I I was not that person and I needed some very 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 extensive therapy and help because ever since I was 17 I had been living one way doing one thing and my whole universe for the last however many years had revolved around alcohol so Wait a second. I like how you said it was decided. You know, that that's very indicative of where you were. Again, you weren't making these decisions. Thank God. Right. Yeah. Somebody was. So I went to rehab and I it went there for like, I don't know, eight weeks, 10 weeks. I don't remember how long I actually went, but I my stay was actually extended because they kept like at a certain point I just like wasn't cooperating anymore because I was like so angry and I did get sober and I was sober for a couple weeks and I realized that like I'm fucking pissed mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. really angry I'm mm -hmm. really unhappy I'm really raw I'm really emotional and I literally haven't felt things in years at this point like it oh. had been years since I had felt any real emotion other than like complete and utter despair mm. And, you know, I come in, I come into this sober world and I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know how to regulate my emotions. I'm crying every five minutes and then I'm on this high for five minutes about, oh, I'm sober. Like I can finally live my life and I'm free. And then 
Mm -hmm. I would cry again like two minutes later. And I am just so unregulated. There's nothing about my body that's functioning properly. Like literally, like I can't eat, I can't sleep. I am just like, I am a complete, I just, I I don't know. I don't know what that thing was, but that thing had been wrecked by alcohol to the point where like I could no longer do anything. Yeah, you had been anesthetized for years at that yeah. point. And your literally body from, so yeah. basically dependent on it too. But yeah. yeah, from 17 to 21, I maybe had a period of time where I was sober for three months, four, four months, I went to a community college and lived way out in the country. And so I couldn't actually drink alcohol because I was like living literally in the middle of the country, like in the middle of nowhere and didn't have <laughs> access to it. But as soon as I came back, like I, yeah. So from what's dad, I'm really sorry. What's 17 to 21? How many years? Is that? <laughs> it's a uh, seven. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's four. Is it really 17, yeah, 18, 19, 20? Yeah, four. Okay. Um, so for four years, I was drunk. And I mean, mm -hmm. like every single day I was drunk. And for a lot of that, I was blackout drunk. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I, I went to rehab and I started learning skills that I did not have because, you know, as even like before 17, I used just very, I had, I've never, I had never had healthy coping mechanisms. Like my parents, or like dad, I guess my parents went through like a really ugly divorce and my family was, you know, fucked to put it lightly mm -hmm. or just to put it plainly. Um, relations I had, had our, our relationships within our family dynamic were, were severed. We had some really, you know, crazy mental problems in the family I actually had an eating disorder and I had treatment for that when I was like 15 16 so like I had never had healthy ways to cope with anything mm -hmm. and so I used alcohol a lot for that I used alcohol to be that coping mechanism for me and mm -hmm. what I'm trying to get at is that you know part of me being sober was finally learning healthy ways and healthy skills mm -hmm. to cope with life because yeah. I didn't have those tools myself. And if, if you're drinking like we did, and if you're an alcoholic, chances are you probably don't have those skills either. Mm -hmm. And I think such a core part of sobriety and getting sober is learning those tools and no matter no matter what it is if it's individual therapy if it's going to a rehab center if it's going to meetings if it's finding a sober community online who you can really relate to no matter what it is you are going to have to learn so much about yourself as a human being and yeah. you need to learn the reasons why you're doing what you're doing well lot. that's the that's the meat and potatoes of it you know, yeah. obviously getting physically sober is essential. You can't do these things while you're still drinking, right? So you get sober, but that's the meat and potatoes of it. That's where the rubber hits the road. Yeah. And those are the things that are going to allow you to improve your situation and to head toward optimizing the quality of your life, you know, because, yeah, if you don't do those things and if you just try to stay sober, then the same flaws and, and crap that led you down that road in the first place are going to be trying to lead you back down it again. 
Yeah. So, yeah. That's that's the whole thing. That's the most important part. Ultimately, it's a progression of stuff, right? And every one of them is necessary in order to facilitate you going after the next one. But at the end of the day, what you're trying to get to is that place where you're facing yourself honestly. You're understanding, you know, how you fit into the world. And I don't know. I always think of my old Cajun buddy this time. Like, Dan, man, you're just another bozo on the bus, man. Ain't nothing <laughs> special about you. You know, and that's what it is because a lot of times we alcoholics don't quite see ourselves that way, do we? No. Yeah, but but that's what it's about. It's about balance. It's about, you know, learning some new habits. And again, I don't know that there is a more important part of this episode to me, especially to somebody who's on the brink of it here, is this is not a thing that you should try to do alone. You need yeah. help. You do need help with this. And it's okay, right? Everybody who's found yourself themselves in that position has needed help. So, yeah. And the way you did it, although, you know, you were kind of extreme and you were exceptionally young for all those things to have happened to you that had happened, the way it worked out for you turned out to be kind of what the, the standard model is, you know, in a general sense, which is you reached that point, it was hit or miss whether you were going to stay around, and you decided to stay, you reached out, you got help, and you yeah. reached out to the people that were most important to you. Then the next thing you did is you went to AA, and you were still in the care of other people, and then you went to rehab, and you learned a lot of things, you know. And then it's been an ongoing thing since then too, right? I'm, you know, you didn't go to the rehab and learn everything you needed to learn. And then, <laughs> you know, you haven't learned anything since. In fact, all that rehab does for you is start giving you the tools and the understanding yeah. and the way to think about things. And your life since then has been a continual learning process along yeah, those lines. Exactly. Rehab didn't, I mean, rehab literally gave me like a hammer and a chisel and was mm -hmm. like, here, here's how you construct your life. And I was the one who had to take the hammer and the chisel with all the knowledge that they had taught me and carve out what I am today. But I didn't do that by myself. Like I, you know, luckily I had you who was a fellow alcoholic and who could help me through a lot of those things. I was fortunate enough to be able to go to individual therapy. I'm mm -hmm. still in therapy. Like I haven't been in therapy for like eight years, but like I am in therapy on and off because one thing that rehab taught me is that you know a lot of these things you cannot do by yourself and that's not a bad thing like mm -hmm. if we could do all of this by ourselves if i you know if i had the tools to combat alcoholism and like all these mental things that i've gone through i would have mm -hmm. done it already yeah. like i would have been able to do that already but I, the truth is i don't have the tools i don't have the coping skills yeah i well, i was i was given tools to help create a life you know as in, as with many things in in this life sometimes it takes a village and that's what you had and along those lines full disclosure and you did it out of deference to me a minute ago but you said i had you and you were an alcoholic and yeah you did but full disclosure on that is when this event was going on in your life when you had reached your bottom I could not help you because I was away at the spa, right? <laughs> and so um, there were, and I'm, 
eternally grateful. There were other people, and it wasn't just one person, although, you know, there, there were some people in particular that came to play a very large role in your life for the next months, and I'll be eternally grateful to those people for doing that because, like I said, I wasn't there and I couldn't do it. But, yeah, so it, it did literally take a village for you, and... I'm just glad you had the village. I am too, honestly. I would not be here without them. And Mm-mm. I mean that. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. Yeah, but, I, I, you know, and I honestly, like, after... So if we go back, like, yeah, rehab and treatment was huge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the next thing I did was I really had to... Like, while I was in treatment... Mm-hmm. I had to take a look at my life and what I was doing and the things that my life had consisted of. And all my life consisted of at that point was like a job where I could easily drink. Like I had a job. I worked mm-hmm. as a like a cocktail waitress at a like a bar. I was living in a college town and mm-hmm. I was living, I was working at a job that after your shift, you could change your shirt and sit down at the bar and drink. So... Mm-hmm. I had literally the perfect job. I would work like a little shift and make a good amount of money and um, just sit down and drink. And I did that every single night. And I had friends and a boyfriend at the time who uh, my boyfriend was the bartender. So, you know, free drinks for me all the time. (laughs) Um, But I had to look at my life and analyze why everything was how it was. And, you know, I am such an extreme person and like this obviously can't apply to everyone, but I am such an extreme person that I, I looked at my life and I was like, this whole thing revolves around alcohol. I was like, Mm -hmm. I have to, I have to scrap the whole thing. Like I have to start from, have to start from scratch. And I did that. I broke up with my boyfriend. I moved out of the house that I was living in. Mm-hmm. Um, I never spoke like it, all of my quote unquote friends I had at the time. Um, well, I had one really good friend, but she ended up sleeping with my boyfriend. So I guess she really was, mm-hmm. that's yeah. probably why she didn't end up reaching out to me. Like while I was in rehab, she was um, just stepping in for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I had I had to analyze my entire life and you know, rehab gave me the tools and the space to step back and look at the way that everything was and realize like this is a life purely for drinking. This right. is not a life for me. There's no room for me in this life that I have made for myself. So mm-hmm. I cut out everyone. I broke up with my boyfriend. I, I stopped talking to all the people. I literally never heard from them again. Mm-hmm. I walked out of the I literally walked back into the apartment or like the house that I was living in packed up my room and left yeah. and no, I literally never looked back and and, mm-hmm. and, I, and I know it's not something that everyone can do right mm-hmm. um, not completely not in that extreme no but I fortunately was able to and mm-hmm. I was able to start a completely new life but well, you I needed think- to yeah, for sure. I needed to. Not for everybody sure. needs to do that. But what that—that that, that is the thing, though. The, the next thing you're describing here is the logical next step. Is you know, once you start getting your legs under you a little bit, the absolute thing that you have to do is you have to analyze your life. Yeah. And you're going to have to make some changes. 
Yeah. You're going to have to cut out some things. You're going to have to cut out some places. You're going to have to cut out some people in some circumstances. Yeah. But that's a necessary step too. Yeah. And that I think this is the step where I get the most hesitation from other people that I'm talking to about getting sober because people, people want to change without changing. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know how to say it nicely to them. I'm just like, mm-hmm. you cannot do that. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. You can't, you can't make this life altering decision and not change a single thing about yourself or your life and expect everything to work out. Like it's impossible. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I get it though. It's so scary because like mm-hmm. you've established a life, you have a career, you have friends, you have a social life, maybe you have a partner and mm-hmm. the thought of removing alcohol if you are a troubled drinker, which you probably are if you're listening to this podcast, but if you are a troubled drinker and you have all of these things in your life, but it is all, and maybe a lot of it is tied together only by alcohol and you're, you're, you're going to be terrified of, mm-hmm. of losing these things and of this change that's going to happen because for so many people, alcohol is the glue that holds so many things together, relationships and you yeah. know, business and uh, how are you supposed to live your life? Like once you, once you cut out the glue, once you scrape off the glue, how are you going to stick to anybody? Yeah, but you do. You do. I'm going to do a complete non sequitur here. We're going to just jump along to something else. Okay. Okay. Do you mind? No, because I, we've been on that. We've been talking for a bit here and, and I think this is an important thing to talk about and that is relapse. Ah. <sighs> Because yeah. it's almost a guarantee, not really a guarantee, but it's it's a str- there's a strong likelihood that if you're starting down this road for the first time, you're going to relapse. Yeah. I mean, most people do. And, you know, not to bury the lead on it here, the thing is, if you do, not that it's okay, but it's okay. Everybody does it, right? You got to get back on the horse. And that's the thing. Whatever it takes is what you have to do. So if you relapse, that doesn't mean you have failed. It just means you're going to do it again. Because it's obviously important that you do it again. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up before we got off the phone, got off the the No, I mean, I think think that's so true. Like, I relapsed so many times. And, you know, I don't think – and we're not giving you permission to go and relapse. Like, if you're looking for permission, like, we're not giving it to you. But we're just saying like reality is reality is and rehab re I mean, not rehab relapse is a normal part of sobriety. Relapsing is not a failure. It is not something to be ashamed of. It's, you know, something that every sober person has to go through. I think of relapse as like just another, it's it's an attempt. You keep trying, Mm -hmm. you're trying different things. If you relapse, maybe look back and analyze what led you to the point of relapse and then like the next day wake up and just be like okay I'm gonna change this I'm gonna do this and it's like fine-tuning your car you know you just have to tweak things here and there until you finally find you know the perfect equation for you that leads to a life of long-term sobriety Mm -hmm. The old man, there was an old man in the the AA meeting that I went to for a while who used to talk about it in terms of research. I know that we've talked about that. Research. Say, yeah, that that person's not ready. He needs to go out and do a little more research. 
and they'll be back. And that is true. I mean, that's, you know, part of it. You know, we're not, we're not wishing relapse on anybody or, you know, wanting to make it harder, but the fact of the matter is relapse is not an uncommon occurrence, right? Not that it isn't discouraging, but you got to get back in the saddle. You got to, you know, like Tara said, give it a look and see why it happened and try to fix it and move on. Yep. And literally pick it up and move on. But to the point of going out and doing more research, I think to bring it back full circle is, you know, we come back to like realizing that alcohol does not fit in your life in any way, shape or form anymore. Mm -hmm. And if you're not decided on that, if you still have questions, if you're still unsure, a lot of people unfortunately have to get to the place that they're sure. And Mm -hmm. God knows that I did. Uh, a million rounds of research and I finally was able to get to a place where I concluded my research. I wrote my little paper and I was like, you know what? Alcohol is not for me. Can't do it. Can't ever do it. We'll never be able to do it. How do I move forward with my life? And how I moved forward with sobriety and here we are. So glad you did. I'm so glad you did. We didn't really, we didn't, we didn't talk about your experience like at all. We only focused on me, but you know, yeah. maybe That's another a, time. Maybe another time. But yeah, I think, yeah. you know, I think this is a good starting point. It's, I mean, it's, it was the starting point that we took and obviously it's pretty watered down, but mm. that was, those, those are the very beginning steps that I took in order to become eight years sober, which I am now. So <laughs> It worked for me. And again, you know, one sobriety, it's not one size fits all. So you're definitely going to have to do a lot of experimenting and figuring out like what form of sobriety, what treatment, what people are best for you. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, what works for someone doesn't work for everyone. But in general, like, I feel like these are the steps that people begin to take when they embark on their sober journey. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, I don't really have anything more to say on that. I mean, we could talk about it all day, obviously, but I think if we're just going to keep it general, those are the things that I did. And I hope that they help anyone who's listening. Yeah. Um, You're not alone. You don't have to be alone during this. And I know it's really hard and scary. And if you need anything from anybody, like, huh? You shouldn't be alone. No, you you definitely shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. But um, feel free to reach out on our Instagram if you have any questions or if you need any kind of support. Like, we can definitely try to lead you in the right direction. And we're at alcohol.isms, I-S-M-S. Or my personal Instagram is at hello, I am Tara. If you feel like you need anything, just, you know, write us a message and hopefully we'll be able to help you out. Um, But yeah, I think that's it for today. Do you have anything else you want to add, Dad? I have nothing that I want to add. Mm -mm. Okay. Okay, well... Thanks for sitting down and talking with me. Dad, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. If you could do us a huge favor, um, just leave us a like or a comment or some kind of review on whatever platform you're listening on. It would really help us get pushed out into the algorithm. So we would really appreciate that. Um, But yeah, we will see you next week as usual. And um, yeah, that's it. Say bye, Dad. Bye, Dad. (laughs) Bye.